It's almost like you know me or something. Um, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, we are continuing today. We thought it'd be great if the guests that come in the second service can walk straight into a sermon about the whore of Babylon and monsters and stuff like that. No, but we're continuing with our, uh, our series on Revelation. And after crawling through uh, the first eight verses at a knot of two uh, a, a sermon, what I'm going to do... <laughs> This is actually what we did. Uh, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to round chapter 1 out and, um, and you'll see that's a, a, a bit of a longer uh, section and I'm just going to pick some kind of salient points. So it's sort of a, you'll see how you can read, I mean we could have gone slower to be honest. I had to skip over so much rich detail just in those first eight verses um, but uh, so that we like, it would be good if we could finish reading the book before Jesus comes back. So, uh, I'm going to kind of zoom up a little bit and, uh, and, and look, at, look at a bigger picture th- uh, sort of thing with the next uh, 11 verses. So, I'm, ta- I'm calling the message uh, this morning, The Loud Voice, The Lampstand and the last days. And um, if you want to read along in your Bibles, uh, you can do that, or I'm going to have it on the screen here as well. It's very small, but that's to encourage you to actually bring your Bible. I might actually put it in Greek next time, take it a uh, a step further. So, here we go. Uh, John's vision of Christ, the little subtitle in my Bible says, I, John, your brother and companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. He, um, he, was, a, he was a good time at a party, John. Um, what do we have in Jesus? Suffering and patient endurance. Praise the Lord. I was on the island of Patmos uh, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said... This, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, uh, Theatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me and when I turned I saw seven golden lampstands. And amongst the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his hand on me and said, <laughs> the do not be afraid is warranted at this stage, isn't it, after that description? Do not be afraid. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look. We've just been singing it. I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven gold lampstands lampstands is this, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Wow, 
we're going to do all that. Real, we're going to do it. We actually are going to do it. So um, the way I'm going to structure this, the way we're going to get through this, we're just going to focus on three things. Whose is the loud voice in this passage? What is with the lampstands? And what does any of this mean for us? Uh, we'll get there. Now, you may have uh, been given, you should have been given a picture like this on your way in. And um, I want you to have a think about this picture on our way through this message today. Uh, this picture dates from the 6th century um, and it's an icon from the Eastern Orthodox tradition. It's from a monastery in Egypt and some people say it is the first and best example of this particular icon and if you know anything about icons there's a message in them. It's not just a kind of picture of something that's arbitrary. Uh, if you think about the fact that in uh, the ancient world many people weren't literate. Symbols were very important to understanding truth as we've seen in John's revelation. Um, and there's something going on in this that um, I might even quiz you at the end whether you've worked out what it is about this picture that relates to where we're going today. So out of all the pictures of Jesus, that one included, I reckon probably one of the most bizarre perhaps most unsettling pictures uh, of Jesus that we might associate with Jesus is that one that we've just read, right? Um, do you recognise Jesus as someone who has a loud voice that sounds like a trumpet or rushing water? What does that even sound like, that someone's voice would sound like a trumpet or rushing water? Uh, <laughs> do you think of Jesus as someone dressed in a full-length robe with a a golden sash is a nice touch, isn't it? Flamboyant. I mean, if you could wear that, of course you would. Uh, if, you, if you were God and you could choose whatever you wanted to wear, I'd be wearing a golden sash. I sort of thought about wearing one today, but Sharon said it wasn't a good idea. Uh, crazy voice, weird outfit, snow white, woolly hair. I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. If Generally, if I say you, your hair's looking a bit woolly today, um, Cheryl and wouldn't really take that that well. Um, so he's got snow white woolly hair, this figure that I think we generally associate with Jesus, eyes like blazing fire, feet that glow like bronze in a furnace, interesting touch. Uh, there's a podiatrist in the church, I might ask her if, if there's any significance of that from her perspective. Uh, he's holding seven stars in one hand, how does that even work? His face is like super duper, I, I must have been writing this when I was 16, it's like, <laughs> it's like super duper shiny, like the sun. Um, that must have been a moment of inspiration. I was taken up as in a vision. Uh, and he's got, and this might be the topper, a sword coming out of his mouth. Uh, would you take this person home? I mean, you, would you introduce this person to your unsaved friends? I'm not sure. Could be a bit freaky. Now, out of all the, like there's some dumb pictures of Jesus around the place. White Jesus... Come on, this is probably one of the stupidest pictures of Jesus. Uh, just because Jesus didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes, we can be pretty sure of that. Um, but the, the problem is <laughs> that whilst I don't like this uh, painting of Jesus so much, I mean, aesthetically it's fine, just theologically a bit weird, um, I really struggle with this picture of Jesus. 
I don't know, it's biblical. So I don't know if it's a good thing that as a pastor, I struggle with this picture of Jesus of the woolly white hair, the golden sash, those flaming eyes, the sword coming out of his mouth. Something slightly disturbing and difficult to relate to for me in this picture. What is going on with this picture of Jesus? Well, if you've tracked with us so far, you know that John is doing something in all the language that he uses and he's referencing the rest of Israel's scriptures, right? I'll take Biggie Smalls off the screen for a moment there. And um, he is... Uh, he's often using the language of other prophets. So if you wanted to take a slow crawl through the passage that we're looking at today, you'd find references to Ezekiel, you'd find references to Daniel, and it's a little bit like in, uh, in the blues and in soul music and in hip-hop, there's this thing called pain your Jews. So um, you don't just kind of like emerge into uh, the African-American music scene without sort of showing some respect to those who came before you. And so I've got a picture of Biggie Smalls. It's a bit like Biggie Smalls, the Notorious B.I.G. I I know this is a big East Coast hip-hop church, so you'll get this. Uh, And the way that he references James Brown. So James Brown's music is actually sampled in Biggie Smalls' rapping. And it's not just because it sounds good. It's a way of the Notorious B.I.G., Great name. Uh, I don't know if... Yeah. Anyway, uh, the notorious big IG, sort of recognising that he stands on the shoulders of giants. And um, I thought if Chris Magnuson could preach the most popular message this week referencing this month... See, he's he's beating the rest of us, young Chris... I'm just a bit bitter about that, that's why I snuck that in there. And reference Alanis Morissette, maybe, uh, maybe a, an early 2000s hip-hop reference would work, but it didn't. Anyway, um, John is kind of doing uh, the same thing. He's kind of saying, I'm, I'm standing in a tradition here as a prophet in Israel, and I'm taking what they said, it's meant to mean something, but I'm remixing it as it were. So here's a picture from one of Ezekiel's weird visions. And um, if you read Revelation closely, you'll see that John was paying homage, was paying his dues to Ezekiel. We talked last week about how he was also doing that for Daniel's prophecy. And um, it's like the original work of art, like Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa there, retains its meaning in a new collage, right? John is taking Ezekiel, he's taking Daniel, he's taking the Psalms and he's saying, remember what you know about these things, but I'm going to present them to you in a way that's going to make a new meaning out of it. And um, I thought to understand what's going on with that weird Jesus, we need to dip back down into Daniel 7 quickly. And there's something interesting going on. So here's Daniel 7, this prophecy of the kingdom of God coming and sort of establishing itself itself over all of the earthly empires that have been so bloodthirsty. And uh, Daniel says this uh, uh, as as he's in a vision, he says, I looked and thrones were set in place and the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow and the hair of his head was white like wool. 
Now, the interesting thing about this passage and why I'm directing you to it is the Ancient of Days in Daniel is nearly universally acknowledged to be Yahweh, God the Father. But let's read on a little bit further down, same chapter. In my vision at night, I looked and there was before me one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into the presence of of the Ancient of Days. What do you notice there? John is actually taking an image of God, the God that we would call God the Father, the God of Israel, and an image of that we would associate with Jesus, and he's melding them, right? So he's taking, he's paying his dues, he's he's grabbing a part of Israel's tradition and history. He's saying, Daniel is writing about something that I'm picking up here, but I'm going to do something most unexpected, at least for my Jewish uh, audience. I'm going to combine the picture of God the Father with the one that we would call God the Son. So Daniel's original audience tended to read the Son of Man language two ways. They thought it was either a picture of Israel, so Israel's uh, being established as the final kingdom, or of the Messiah, And John says, actually, this anointed Messiah figure that in the Jewish eyes was probably just a very special man is God. He's melding together the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man. And that is what goes on in this picture. It's figurative, right? It's telling us something about who Jesus is. He has the divinity of Israel's God, but he's human like Israel. He's the Messiah. One other problem that I have with this um, particular image is that no Jew would read John's description of the seven lampstands and see this. A Jew that read John's description of what he saw, this figure amongst seven lampstands, would immediately think of this. Exodus 25, where the tabernacle is being prepared, being made. And it says this, God says to his people, make a lampstand of pure gold, hammer out its base and shaft, and make uh, its flower-like cups, buds and blossoms of one piece with them. There are six branches that extend from the side of the lampstand, three on one side and three on the other. And what is being described there is a menorah. Right, the golden lampstand, the seven lamps there, seven lights on each of those branches. Now, where do we find the menorah? In the tabernacle, in the temple later, in the holy place where God lives. And in as much as the menorah represents a tree, it represents life. The life that God gives Inasmuch as it is a lamp, it represents light. So there are three pieces to this. God's presence is a place of life. God's presence is the place of light. Without God's presence, we have no light and we have no life. Let's take a quick look here again at the passage that we read Just in yellow, I'm highlighting here. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand 
and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches that you're writing to. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. It's nice when he actually interprets the prophecy for us, the, the weird imagery. The seven lights are the seven churches. John, who knows suffering, he's, he's imprisoned in Patmos, exiled, writing to these churches that he says also know suffering. Is This is what we have in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. We suffer. We patiently endure. Says that you are like the menorah in the holy place. The light <laughs> of God, the presence of God that lives in this special and can only live in this kind of sacred space is what I see when I see you. The Son of Man comes to me and he sees you as he would see the menorah in the holy place where only God can live. Suffering and ascended glory. What John's trying to do here, and I think it is probably becoming clear for you, is that he's saying, here on earth, <laughs> you might be suffering, you might be enduring all sorts of trials. You might wonder, have we made a mistake following this man, Jesus? But John says, actually, Jesus, the Son of Man, is also the Ancient of Days. He's the God that Israel has always worshipped. And where you sit is in the holy place. You are the source of light in the world. You are the very presence of God in the world. Even in your suffering, God is achieving his most glorious purpose through you. We may or may not be able to identify to the degree of suffering these churches in the first century. They were being martyred, as we've talked about. We may within this room and listening to this podcast have different ideas about which moment in history we're in. Are we in the final moment where the full revelation of Christ is going to come to being? But actually, there's something I think that this passage impresses upon us that's even more important than whether we are suffering like they suffered, whether we are about to receive the full revelation of Christ, that God would wrap history up. And that is our identity. Spoke about it last week. There is something that God is doing through us. If we, as his people, like those members of the first seven churches, were his presence in the world, were his very life in the world, there is something even more important than what time it is or whether we're suffering in some particular way. I've, that's sort of, you know, that, that's paralleling those first seven churches. I don't know if you've ever had a, um, a banknote go like this or you've been slipped one uh, at the shops. Many of us don't really use cash anymore. Something kind of comforting about it though, isn't it? Because you know that it's there, it's a physical thing. 
Of course, though, the piece of paper is not what holds the value, is it? It points to value elsewhere. So in the old days, it was like the piece of paper stands for gold in the bank, right? That was the idea of it. I'm, I'm giving you a symbol of gold in the bank. I don't know <laughs> what your week's been like, but I've had a kind of <laughs> shredded... a shredded note. Weak myself. I felt, I felt like... <laughs> past my best. I've been aware of my brokenness. Been big things in my life that I haven't been in control of. Who knows that you can take a note like that <laughs> and you can still spend it the values not in the note itself it's not in that piece of plastic or paper it's what it points to and what John is doing is he's reminding these shredded note churches who have the same problems that you and I have to some degree suffer we suffer We lose our jobs. We have broken relationships, addictions. Worry for our kids. And John's saying, that's not the full picture. In this world, you might be a shredded piece of paper. But Christ sees you in the holy of holies. Your identity is that of the very presence of God, his life and his light. Whatever you're going through, whatever challenges you face, he's committed to doing something through you because he's seen you so valuable that he's paid with the price of his son's life. I'm going to get the band on stage as we close. I don't know if you've been able to hold this image in your mind. Does anyone want to share what they might have noticed about this image?
Yeah, one side he has his hand like this. Yeah. If you were to um, split this image with a mirror, you'd see that we're actually looking at two, two images in a way. on your right-hand side. You see Christ holding the word and on your left-hand side, you're right, Linda, he's, he's got his hands in a sort of very holy position. On the left-hand side, your left-hand side, the ancient Christians beheld and meditated upon the ancient of days, the divine Christ, eternal. And on the other side, there's the man who knows what it's like to suffer. And whatever you're going through, he's there with you. He feels it. But he would say to you, through his servant John, this morning, that's not the whole picture. As his people, he sees you in the very holy of holies, worthy to live there with God. with something to do in this world regardless of what time it is regardless of what might seem stacked against you his life and his presence thank you Jesus